Hey everyone and welcome to 121 in Flux, I'm Peter, that is Connor and we are going to talk about a movie because that's what we do on this show, we talk about movies, older movies typically. Uh, so this is actually just another one where we had a list to get through that we'd kind of both, you know, we'd both selected a bunch of movies we wanted to get through and you know when we don't have like a film that's related to a new sequel coming out or something like that uh, or something that's timely we just kind of alternate between our picks and this was one of Connors this was uh, another Brian De Palma film this is the second Brian De Palma movie we've done on this show uh, which you hadn't seen before although in this case I had seen this before on late yeah. last time this was a case of I bought this on Blu-ray about three maybe three and a half years ago and I thought, I really need to watch that at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, this is going to be Dressed to Kill, which is uh, one of the bigger names of De Palma's thrillers, I think. I feel like I feel like you hear about this one more often than you do yeah. your, your body double or your uh, obsession or, you know, take your pick. So, um, yeah, so we'll start spoiler-free, as we typically do, and we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the movie. That's what we do. That's, what's, that's typically how it goes. So what, what is Dress to Kill? Dress to Kill is a film, and I feel it's hard to talk about this one without spoilers actually because it it kind of twists and turns quite early on, it, doesn't it? It does. It, it has an interesting structure, uh, which we'll talk about in spoilers, I think more so than spoiler free. Uh, so, but it's uh, about about a married woman who is kind of sexually frustrated that she's not, you know, she's middle aged. Her husband's maybe not doing it for her anymore. She's seen a therapist played by Michael Caine, uh, and she has kind of a, a a kind of random sexual encounter with with a stranger, and there's a murder on the list, and an incident takes place, and it kind of propels where the rest of the plot goes. So it's, it's, a, it's a thriller. It's who's the killer uh, kind of idea. Yeah. And it is a Brian De Palma film, which means it is pretty sleazy at times. There's a lot of nudity. There's a lot of talk about sex. Although this one in particular, I mean, the, the character's whole drive is that she's sexually frustrated and wants more of a, a risky sex life. And that's kind of a big part of the movie. Uh, and we're dealing with prostitutes. We're dealing with that kind of thing. There's a lot of that going on. Uh, so that is the, the film. So I, I always ask the question. I always start by asking the question. So, Connor, did you enjoy Dress to Kill? I did. I actually enjoyed it more the the, the longer it went on. Okay. Like I was kind of, you know, I was I was into it, but I was a little bit like, okay, this is you know, it's taking time. But once we got to some of these twists and turns, it played its hand a little bit more, and I realised what it was. Mm. I, I think I was enjoying it more then. It is definitely a film of two halves because it it it's, it's very similar to Psycho in terms of its structure. Mm, yeah. Where you kind of follow one thing for about half the movie. And then it drastically shifts uh, past that. Yeah. Uh, yeah which is which is why we're being very cagey about spoilers here, because once it shifts, like it kind of... Yeah, we can talk about the first half, all right. To an extent, yeah. Um, but what, you know, once you get to the second half, it's a completely different uh, movie, then it's, you can't yeah. really you know, talk about it. So. And, and this is the thing where I found I enjoyed the second half a lot more than the first. I, I enjoyed the first half. It was definitely a slower build, but there's some nice... like. Uh, there's a very nice chase sequence, which is not a traditional chase sequence because it's mm. more about uh, not quite stalking, but she sees like a man she's attracted to, and it's kind of this weird encounter where she kind of feels something, then she backs out, and then she wants back in again, and she's kind of following him through this art gallery, and there's a lot of just missing him as he's walking through the next thing, and it's all one yeah. shot. It's very well timed. It's, like, a, it's a interesting building as well, like the layout. Very maze-like. It's a lot of 
yeah, I mean, and stuff. A, a buy it because it's an art gallery. Sure, because I mean, it's not even rooms really, because an art gallery you have a lot of fake walls to hang more paintings on. So exactly, obviously they want a lot more wall space, so you end up with these really weird. Uh, so it's just strange dimensions. Layouts, yeah. Um, it's funny actually. At one point, she's looking at a map in the wall of the art gallery, like you know, with like a sort of you know, mm. just a sign to sort of say where everything is. And I'm like, that looks much simpler than what we've just been walking around. I don't know if I buy <laughs> this map. Yeah, I was the same. That that map looks like a U shape, and I feel like <laughs> I feel like what we've yeah. just went through has not been a U shape. So yeah, so so you, you've got that, you, you, and you've got a lot of um, sexual identity uh, is a big theme of this movie as well, uh, mm. as it gets going. So um, it's funny. I, I think this, like, I think this, some of the subject matter in this, I, I you come into going, oh, is this going to be poor taste, especially since it's this old. And then I also wonder at the same time, like, how progressive was this movie in 1980 when, you know... Like, I don't know, I'm with you. I, I, feel, I wonder what the, the thinking was at the time by the casual public when they went to see this. Like, yeah. it must have felt pretty shocking. I feel like half the shock factor is probably the subject matter rather than just I, the I killing think, itself. Yeah, you, you might be right. Because the killings themselves aren't... You know, they're not that out there. Yeah, they're, they're kind of old school. You've got the strings all playing as there's like slashing of a switchblade. Yeah, it's, it's classic, yeah. isn't it? Though? It's yeah. not It's not doing anything out of the ordinary, though. No, it's, 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 well, it's well presented and directed, but it's not, yeah, it's not doing anything like super grisly. Yeah, like if, you, if you've seen one film with a few murders in, this, this the actual murders themselves won't, wouldn't shock you that much. Yeah, uh, it's definitely the sexuality stuff that's, you know, shock. I think for the time period, it's pretty shocking. Yeah. Uh, the, the, these days it's almost the, a kind of a reverse thing where I'm just kind of worried they're going to have some really old school opinions on things where, oh this might yeah. be cringy I don't think it ever actually goes down that path too much though, I could certainly see how there, there are moments where it feels like oh this could be it, this could be where it dies yeah. off and I could, and there's also just like I think the core premise might bother people like if this movie was made and released now I feel like the core idea of where it goes at the end might bother some people um, definitely but I don't think it goes ridiculous in any one of its details, if that makes sense. No, I agree with that. Yeah, but the, the, I can see why the core premise made it like, yeah, you're kind of painting... It's, it's the sort of thing where I don't think this movie would be made now. Yeah, I don't think so. In the, not in the same way. But I think, you know, it's one of those where for its time, it was actually, like you say, it did, feels like it was kind of ahead of its time in most regards. Yeah, yeah. So I think we're going to actually end the spoiler-free section here because we're we this don't is have a, really hard to talk about. Isn't yeah, it? we don't have a whole lot to say without spoilers beyond that. I mean, I'll say some of the performances are really good. Like we said, it's really well shot. The suspense, De Palma is very good, and he's yeah. like prime, which he is kind of here. Uh, the way he does suspense and chase sequences and like running down into like a subway and like hiding from someone. Oh, and... Just it's just expertly done, isn't it? It's fantastic. It's definitely the centerpiece of the movie for me. I, I, I love the music as well throughout. Yeah, yeah, very, very old school. Lots of strings, lots of uh, that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, so full spoilers from this point on for Dress to Kill because it's impossible to do it otherwise. <laughs> so, uh, so we're in full spoilers. So the first thing I want to ask you is: as soon as you saw the killer, did you see who it was? No. It's interesting because I don't remember if I did the first time I watched it, but knowing where it goes this time. I can, can see, see it, it really easily. immediately. I'm like, obviously, that's who it is. Like, yeah, no, I think they do a really good job of though, like of hiding it. You know, you never really linger on them for too long, like the yeah. killer. You, you know, you don't, you, you never get a shot of just looking at them where you really get to see who it is. It's kind of always, oh, a rush glance here. Here's a quick moment. Yeah, 
Um, I also I think so. So basically, the the killer in this is transsexual and is as a man dresses a woman uh, throughout the killings. And I think one of the smart things it actually does is it's not actually that long past the, the kill because basically our main character dies and and yeah. the big kill scene. That's why. You know, maybe compared to Psycho, has been too on the nose, but it's kind of the yeah, same no, thing. Yeah, I was, I was thinking, I was like, you're a little, you're a little bit, yeah, you know, but cl- close to comfort there. But that's the thing, though. It's it's kind of the same thing where you follow this person for about forty minutes of the movie. She is the main character. It's her story, and then she's killed. And we we switch to this other character played by Nancy Allen, who now becomes the main character because she kind of witnessed part of it. Yeah. And the killer's after her, but so, but not too too long past that, where we're in the investigation and we've got the cop. Uh, played by Dennis Franz, who I don't—I didn't know his name, but I know the actor because he's the airport cop in Die Hard Two, which is where I know him from. Uh, but he's—he's he's a lot chubbier in that movie, so I saw him in this, and I'm like, oh man, this was before he put on the, the donut pounds. <laughs> um, but he's this really yeah. sleazy kind of—I mean, it's 1980, but it was shot in like 79, I imagine. But he's this really sleazy 70s cop, like New York. He, he just has that feel to him. Uh, yeah, definitely. But, he's a great um, job with it, doesn't he? It's very quick into the movie where it actually raises the the subject of transsexuals because I feel like because the killer does look a little bit you know she's it's really she's like oh I mean let's not beat around the bush it's Michael Caine right <laughs> it, like he's clearly much taller and he's you know a bit bulkier you can tell like you know the sunglasses are hiding the eyes and there's like yeah. I feel like it does a really smart thing by bringing up the idea that no the killer is transsexual. But we don't necessarily know that Michael Caine is the one doing it until the end. Like it, it, it plays that there's this other person, a patient of his named Billy, who, yes. uh, who, because who, he even hears these messages on his phone because he's a psychiatrist and he hears Billy say, "Oh, I took your razor and I want to kill again." And uh, it, it plays it as if uh, this character Billy wants a, a sex change, but he won't sign off on it as as yeah as a doctor. I, I so. Just you know, you, you mentioned that sequence there. That was a really interesting split screen mm. sequence. That something you don't see very much. I feel like the Palmer. Do you know there's one thing, and I, I'm sure I said this in Body Double, but I'm going to say it again here. There's one filmmaking technique that the Palmer does that I do not like, and it's something that I think of him and almost him alone because I think of it in Carrie, I can think of it in Body Double, I can think of it in this, probably his other films, although they're a wee bit more less fresh in my mind. Um, is he does this thing where he uses these lenses where he can focus on two points at the same time. And you get these like shots where like you know, person will be in the foreground here, and then there'll be someone in the background here, but they'll both be in focus, and it just feels so unnatural. It's, it's so hard to. It's like where am I supposed to look? And you can actually see if you're looking like at the, the the dead space between them, you can actually see the line of focus change in the middle of the screen, and it really bugs me. Like I hate that he does it. <laughs> it's the one thing I don't like about his directing, is yeah, that he uses I get that. It. Um, it's, it's it's distracting. That's fair. It's distracting to me, but it, I mean that's there because uh, all I can think see whenever it happens all I can think is why can't one of them just be slightly out of focus movies do it all the time it's fine <laughs> like it's, it's fine just do it I, mean, I think it's you know he, he likes having the dual focal point doesn't he, he likes to, you know you don't quite know where to look it's it's um, this distraction technique okay okay just, uh, I think it just feels unnatural so it bugs me oh it's unnatural don't get me wrong I, yeah. I'm not saying it's not I just I think that's supposed to be the point of it Okay, I'll buy it in this one, but I won't buy it maybe in say Carrie when it's just in that like in the classroom. And you no, see, I like... think I think it works in his thrillers. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Especially in this one because you're dealing with someone with two identities. Because yeah. this is the thing. I think this is the clear thing to mention here is that when it turns out to be Michael Caine, it's not just that he uh, wants to be a woman. It's that it's actually like a split personality. 
and yeah. one is the woman and one is him. And the one that's the woman wants a sex change, but Michael Caine's side of it, uh, I should say Dr. Elliot, not Michael Caine, but he, he wants to not do it, so he's like stalling it every chance he can get. Yeah. Uh, so what, what we find out at the end is that he, whenever he gets aroused by a woman, uh, that kind of triggers the other personality, Billy, to come out, and that's when she goes on a, a killing spree of some kind. You know, and the idea is, early on in the movie, he's talking to, you know, the wife, uh, Kate Miller, uh, played by Angie Dickinson, who's the main character for the first chunk of the movie, and she's in therapy with him, and she's, like, talking about how her husband's not good in bed, and she even starts asking all these questions, like, oh, are you attracted to me? Would you like to sleep with me? Which I thought was very forward, by the way. That was a very forward statement to say to someone. It was, yeah. Especially uh, to your therapist. And he, and he just, without a beat, a beat goes... Yes, of course, but I won't because I'm because I'm married and because of this. And I'm like, uh, I'm like, okay, very yeah. formal, but very yeah. very blunt about it. He's like, yeah, I absolutely would screw your brains out, but you know, I am married, so yeah, no, it was, it was an interesting approach. I, I really like the stuff that goes on with him. The lies, you know, we talk about how he's not aware of things. Mm. So, you know, she's killed with this razor, and he's like, oh, my razor's gone missing, and you know, he's get, he's, he's remembering these like phone calls. And he's he's actually telling the police like you know like, like no no look they, they've got my razor you know we should, you know I I, I, I kind of know who this is to some degree yeah yeah um, that said he, he, he doesn't quite tell the police though he's he's, he's very cagey about Not telling at first. them details yeah yeah, yeah. He, he he does kind of point out like you know that someone's threatening me you know these this patient and it's like they, they then my razor's gone missing you know I think it might be them but he has no idea that it's him of course. Yeah, seemingly not. But the, the other therapist he goes to talk to, uh, he tells that to, and that therapist knows that this is both him. And he can kind yeah. of tell that later on in the movie when he brings it up. And you're like, oh, he knew during that scene. He's like, wait, you're telling me that this your other personality is killing people? Uh, this is, you know, but bit, bit <laughs> yeah. And that's obviously the reason why I say this. Like, I, I don't think it ever crosses any weird lines throughout the movie in an offensive way, like in each individual scene. But like I was saying earlier, I think the core premise that like the killer is a transsexual where the other person is killing people i can see why that would be problemsome yeah, for a yeah. lot just, of people just the the idea of it paints you know it just paints them in a bad light it's yeah. the same reason you know people don't like movies you know mentally ill people being killers in horror films now. yeah yeah so it's, exactly. it's it's some of these things where no it was a staple for a long time but you you, you just don't do that anymore yeah um especially like we say this was 1980 like maybe when people weren't as informed about these kind of things like maybe this would have been even more damaging at the time when like at least yeah. now i feel like you know there'd be a fuss on the internet and be like oh no this is damaging and this is that people would be talking about it and whereas at the time it... people might have thought oh all people all transsexual people are like this yeah exa- exactly so yeah. Uh, that's that's the the image that people are scared of these movies putting across yeah and i think that would be a fair complaint to make i think um uh, as a movie on its own they'll take taking that out of it and just sort of enjoying it for the thrill that it is it mostly works quite well, especially once it becomes more clear that it's a split personality. Where it's, yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's tapping into the mentally ill thing as well. Actually, now that you, it, it, it is, you it is, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I guess the only other thing I'd really hold against it in that that sort of aspect is it does seem kind of racist because there's the one bit. It's like the only bunch of black characters. Oh right, yeah. Who immediately try and attack her? I, I didn't realize that was a different point. I thought you were like just talking about the, oh, no, no, him being no. mentally ill. I'm like, why is that racist? But you're right now. You're right. I'm, I know what scene you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like, okay, this feels weird. Yeah, it's, it's, it's when Nancy Allen. She thinks she's she's realized she's been chased by the killer, and she runs down into the subway, and this just group of uh, black guys just kind of starts harassing her, and then for no reason starts to chase her, and is probably hunting her on the train. Chase her down the train. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just kind of. Um, 
I don't want to just say product at the time. I feel that's a, a easy cop out. Like, yeah, uh, it's the sort of thing like this would raise a lot of eyebrows now. Is but it's one of these things where you're watching an older movie, you just kind of have to take it for what it was at its time, and sort of. No, oh, it is. Uh, it's it's we've, it's it's always one of these things with older movies, isn't it? It's it's there. You can't change it. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so no, I, I agree with that. I, that I, that did stick out to me actually when that scene started. I'm like, yeah, it was kind of really blatantly awkward. Yeah, it, especially since there's no other black characters or even any non-white characters in the the rest yeah. of the movie. Like, well, it... well, no, no, that's not true. There is the security guard on on the train, who basically just brushes her off. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I think it's actually the, uh, a policeman rather than a security guard. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, you, you're right. He just brushes her off and doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> so not not helping really, is not, it? Not helping much. No. Um. So so yeah, you you have th- this twist and it. I, I like all the investigative stuff because you have a uh, uh, Kate's son after she dies. Like we find out he's a bit of a tech whiz. He's he's this prodigy son. Uh, he's like 17 years old or whatever he's in high school but he's really good at building things and he like rigs like a, a, an 8mm camera to take photos every 10 seconds outside the you know uh, Michael Caine's yeah, office to try and catch there, the killer he goes and he kind of like writes down how long it takes them to come out and it's like well the longest one's you know 8 seconds so he sets it for every 4 seconds yeah like, but, I, well, I actually really liked his character I liked his character a lot too I actually I liked his partnership with uh, Nancy Allen's character uh, Liz yeah. she, she's, a, she's a prostitute she's a, uh, an escort more specifically a sort of higher class escort mm-hmm. and that's why she's at a hotel or this apartment building when when uh, the first character gets killed and it's actually in the end of the train sequence that uh, Peter ends up saving her he shows up and helps yeah um, and just before she's about to die and that's how they kind of come together and he goes and like uh, stays with her for a little bit and like they form a plan it's, and try and figure things out it's part of why I prefer the second half I think both of these are more interesting characters I like their dynamic oh, yeah. and the relationship together and I also I do like that it keeps it connected to the first half. You know, the the, the first yeah. protagonist is still connected through that story. Yeah, they've got a good partnership. I like um, the dynamic it has because she is typically and like every other character, the, the cop, she, you know, uh, you know, constantly makes references to her being a whore because of what she does. And there's this interesting dynamic of uh, innocence almost because she's with this this teenage kid. Who doesn't see her that way? Even even though arguably a teenage kid, more than anyone, should his hormones should be going into overdrive. But it actually seems kind of sweet. They're they're just kind of nice to each other. And yeah, he's he's too busy grieving to to think about this. He doesn't expect anything from her, and she like like if you feel like this is the first guy she spoke to in a long time who wasn't trying to like get into her into her pants. Yeah, there's a, a question you know that, that Michael Caine asked is like, well, do you sleep with anyone you know not for money just mm. just because? And she's like, well, yeah, if if I want to. You know, if I feel like it, if 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 it's the right person. Yeah. Um, what's funny actually is at the end of the movie, after everything goes down, like we have this this scene where they Peter and Liz uh, meet up, and it's like, oh, okay, that's all over and done with. Now, what are we going to do now? Um, and he basically says, oh, you can come live with me for a while. Like my dad's out of town. Oh, my stepdad's yeah. out of town. Stepdad, yeah. He makes a point of yeah. correcting that like six times. Uh, you can come, come stay with me. I'd like the company. And I'm like, okay. And we kind of see from the last scene when she wakes up from a nightmare that, oh yeah, it's just purely innocent. She's just on the parents' bed while he's off in his own yeah. bed. But it's just like, there's something really surreal about asking a, an escort to come and stay with you for however long when you're is, that yeah. age. Yeah. Do you know what? I, I really like that nightmare sequence. I thought it was really you know inventive with the shoes. Oh yeah, it was it was beautifully shot, wonderf- wonderfully um, suspenseful. Mm. 
I do, I do have a slight problem with it existing though. Oh no, that, that that's fair. I like, just I, I like what it yeah. is. In itself, it's fantastic. But I think at that point, I was like, okay, I thought the movie was over. Why? What, what are we doing now? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think honestly, I think they'd filmed that at some point earlier in the movie, in really? a, you know, in an earlier draft of the script, and and they were like, well, we don't want to put it to waste. Yeah, maybe. That uh, wouldn't I'm, surprise me. We've had Nancy Allen do all this nudity in the shower. We need to use it somewhere. Exactly. Which, by the way, the movie opens with Kate in the shower. Uh, fully nude and we just like that's how the movie opens with just her in the shower like essentially yeah. washing for a long time with this dreamy music playing and uh, i, I kind of like how it bookends you know one naked woman at the start one naked woman at the end yeah okay <laughs> Maybe... I, I mean i i wonder if that's part of the reason for the nightmare sequence you know it was supposed to be this symmetrical this idea that yeah, she's maybe. almost replacing the mother figure in his life and that was kinda... and it's worth mentioning that at the start was also a dream both, yeah. both the start and the end were a dream sequence yeah um, yeah, I could see that, and obviously you've got all these themes of like sexual risk and danger, and that's mm. what you know Kate wanted to do, and it kind of led to her death, e- even though it wasn't the sex itself. Although there's an interesting little tidbit before she leaves the guy's apartment after she's had sex with him, that she finds a medical like bill or receipt for saying that he had a venereal disease. Yeah, that never. I thought that was going to be something that it did something with, but then it just it's never brought up again. Yeah, it, it, well, she died, so it didn't really matter. Well, yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> but it feels like that was... Everything else that happened up to that point still worked in service of, you know, where the rest of the movie went. Mm. That bit seemed like information that should come up again somehow, for some reason, but it never did. No, that's true. Um, I, I, I guess it's maybe... It's, it's just another sign first, oh, you took too much of a risk here. You're, you're doing something yeah. dangerous for the thrill of it without really thinking about it or whatever. And I think also, I guess it's supposed to really sell the idea that we're not supposed to see this twist coming, that that she's going to die. You know, it's like, it's it's really building like, to explore. It's setting more plot up. And then, yeah, you really think she's not, I think even once she's been stabbed a few times, you think, oh, she's still alive. She's still like sort of grasping for help, which by the way, that scene in the elevator when she's being killed, uh, Nancy Allen, like almost is in the elevator and it's like she's going in slowly. You see the blade coming from behind the door because Michael Caine's hiding up against the you know against yeah, the buttons, yeah. and she sees him in the in the mirror, which is a repeated thing again at the end in the dream sequence. You see the reflection, so she knows he's there. Uh, it's that's good stuff. Uh, it is. It's all really well shot. Um, uh, you also you also have this weird thing where when she's on the run before she goes into the subway, she's in a, a cab ride. And she's like, hey, there's someone following me, can you lose them? And he doesn't quite deliver, and he's like, oh, I didn't deliver, so let me take you out to dinner or something. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, okay. But when she runs off, like, he actually stays around and helps and like trips trips up the killer before, <laughs> before he leaves. Flaws him with the door. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think... Um, I, I think when you look at the... the it's, again, going back to the whole idea of like dichotomies, like you have this bored housewife who wants the riskier stuff, and then you have an escort who's essentially always doing risky, kinky stuff. Um, like, So they both start in opposite directions, and they both kind of go the opposite way throughout the course of the movie. You, you have yeah. one character who's feeling repressed, and you have the other one who's constantly um, ridiculed and commented on, and like, oh, you're a whore this, you're a whore that. Uh, I think they, they literally, like, she they swap places, because, you know... Hmm. You know, the first one she goes in and she she kind of like loses herself, and you know she she does all these things. Whereas 
you know, the second one, she she talks about how you know, she, of course, she does all these things. It's it's you know, it's every day for her. But then by the end, she's literally in, the, you know, she's in the mother's bed. Hmm. Like that's like they literally swap places for the end of the movie. Yeah. Do you think there's any way to connect that to the themes of the killer and the you know themes of Michael Caine's character and the idea of two mm. personalities? Do you think it's saying anything about um, maybe being comfortable with your sexuality? Yeah, balance perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, the idea that these are you know they're, they're two sides to people, but uh, you know you're you're more comfortable once you accept it and you know. Yeah, I mean it could, it could be an idea of that if you're too extremely in one direction or the other, especially with the killer, the idea that. There's one side completely opposed to it, and the other side's completely for it. So you have this clash, and it causes all these problems. Whereas, if, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know it, how you, I don't know how you reach a middle ground with what, what those two sides want. In this case, specifically, but I, no, I think in that in that case, it's more about creating a, a dialogue. Hmm. Uh, you know, you know, a compromise, almost you know, accepting who they are. Because if they accept who they are, they don't need to kill. That urge is never there. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and you know, if Kate just spoke to her husband about her problems, about about the, the sex life being boring, you know, that would have went a vastly different way. It would, yeah. And I guess it's a small touch that you know, as Peter keeps pointing out, as as a stepdad, she's remarried already. Yeah, and uh, and you know, the doctor, the therapist, does tell her to just you know, have you tried talking to him? Have you told him that you don't like this? It's pretty good advice that he's given her. <laughs> yeah, it's actually pretty decent advice, yeah. Unfortunately for her at this point, it's too late. She's already aroused him. And that, uh, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. That, that's that's the doom, yeah. Because th- then the other side gets jealous, or not jealous, but enraged that it's enforcing his masculinity, as was the exact... Uh, yeah, because you have that, that sequence on the, the TV interview, don't you? Well, you have a sequence on the interview, but you also have the other therapist at the end, after they've caught him. Oh yeah. well, he's he's dead actually. No, he's not dead. He's, they've caught him. Yeah. yeah, he's not dead because we have the well. Yeah, he's in Bell Reeve, but the escape scene is not real, and I'm glad the escape reels escape scene is not real because it looked very kind of I don't know comical, not too realistic. Easy. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was too easy, but just just the, the design of the, the prison and the way like you had all these other inmates like watching over a cheering him on. Yeah, it just it felt it felt like a dream almost. So I'm glad it turned out to be one. And it was yeah, just no, kind of freaking out about it. Um, but yeah, so you have the scene with the other therapist and he explains all this stuff. He's like, oh, and he, you know, he probably goes through the psychology of it about how anything that made him feel more masculine and enforced that side of him, she wanted to lash out and kill. That, that was yeah. the, the the core idea. Yeah, and to go back to the idea of, you know, balance and compromise, more, you know, by accepting that, you know, that's not who he was and he was doing this, you know, almost out of spite. Mm-hmm. To prove, you know, it, it's the same way to go back to that TV interview. She's saying, you know, you know, as a man, you know, you you become these really macho to kind of prove that you're not. Yeah, because because the uh, the transsexual on TV has been asked like, oh, like you had a very masculine job, uh, if you want to put it that way. Like, is that is that abnormal? She's like, no, like that's actually really a lot of the transsexuals I know had really masculine jobs before. Yeah, and it's this idea of, you know, like it's, it's almost like a, a phase of denial, like to prove that you're not that. So you go over the top in the other direction. Hmm. And I think he, he does the same here where, you know, but it, so just, that, it just reverses and turns into killing. Yeah, a, a much more extreme yes. uh, yeah, lens to do it, yes, of course. And I, I think that's probably one of the reasons that I don't think the film is unfair with its subject matter, because it's only this one individual that we see do these things. You know, we talk. We have the the interview on the TV, and it's like, 
well, she's a perfectly reasonable person, you know, adapted to life, you know. And you should talk about all these other transsexuals who are, you know, they're, they're fine. You know, they're not going around killing people. Oh, sure. So it sure. makes it very clear that it's this one specific person not being able to deal with themselves and who they are that's causing this, not, uh, you know, not transsexuals as a whole. Oh, yeah, I think I think logically that tracks. I still think that there'd be a problem with the reception. I, I agree, but I, I, um, I do appreciate that it makes a point of showing that in the movie as well, rather than this just being in a vacuum and being the only transsexual in the movie. Oh, sure, yeah, but I think even at the time, I don't think everyone would have picked up on that. Probably not. I, I don't think most, most average public leave remembering that TV interview. They leave remember deranged killer trying to slash people no that is that is fair so yeah you have you have peter and liz who form all these kind of plans and eventually okay we want to steal his address book so that we can see who his last appointment was or his appointment book and see see who this last person was that came out uh and the like i like how like, like they never kept going through the photos to see when he left yeah that's true they didn't yeah they're just like oh no that was the last person to leave so must be her yeah, it's kind of, kind of an honest mistake. They kind of assume it's not him. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they basically have this thing where she's like, okay, I'm going to go in. And she basically tries to seduce him and try, try and like distract him with sexuality to to go in, um, like, you know, rummage through his files and stuff when he's not looking. Although little does she know that that's actually what's going to make him hostile. Yeah, it, it really backfires as a plan, doesn't it? Yeah. And there's also this little twist where... There's another blonde woman kind of following her around, and she's a detective trying to like keep an eye on her. But I really like the you know talk about the other way where she's getting uh, chased by the black guys, mm. and you you see this other blonde woman kind of uh, as she gets on the train, and the and and they're coming towards her, and you know she talks to the police go, they're out there. You actually see this other woman just like charge through them and take them out of the way and move them on up to the other end of the, the carriage. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I kind of like that because you've, you've got Peter out in the rain with the binoculars. So again, it's really suspenseful. Mm. The way it's intercutting between that and him and everything that's going on, uh, I, I think that's the movie's biggest strength is how it deals with suspense, how it deals with the 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 actual build up of like the the, the moments oh, yeah, of the kills. Um, there's like I'd say maybe like three, four standout sequences which make the movie. Like oh, that's no, that's why it was worth watching. Was were those not that the rest of it's bad, but. Those are the that elevate it above, yeah. you know, just being, you know, okay, this is good. Exactly, um, but yeah. So like I see. I, I really like the the Peter and Liz characters. Like they they are bond and friendship uh, once they actually start to like come together and start investigating stuff. And the second half of the movie uh, is yeah. where it really kind of finds its heart, I guess, because up until this point, it is really sleazy. It is very really dark subject matters. Yeah. And I think outside of the you know the suspense stuff, I think that they they are the best part of the movie, them together. They are, and maybe it's saying something that the the heart of the movie comes from a pair of characters where there is no sexual relationship, or even a hint yeah. of it, really. No, it's the, the the hints are oh there could be because they they you know like you say it's a teenager and a, and, a, and a prostitute. It's like okay, he should be interested. Yeah, but there, there actually never is. There's never even like a a moment where he like catches himself looking at her in a in a way. Yeah, like no, that. not at all. There's, there's never any of that. Uh, and maybe that's saying something. Like they're just kind of comfortable with each other oh, and who they are, and there's, there's no. Also, one of the funniest sequences of the movie. Go on. Is when you she's telling him about transsexuals and explaining it. You know, oh, you know like, yeah. they take the hormones. And she's talking about, you know, the, these, you know, 
operations on the penis and stuff, and there's these that, old women in the background. That, this is just, the scene at the end before he invites her to live with them. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't know why suddenly there's this comedy scene, but there's this old woman just sitting behind him over over his shoulder listening to all of this talk, conversation. She looks horrified, and it is glorious. And she goes into this, she's like, yeah, and they like, split the penis apart and like make an artificial vagina out of it. And I'm like, and I'm like, and this woman's just like wipe her lips. She just finished her, her, her lunch and she's like, God, God, will you shut up, please? Um, it's so good. It is really funny. I'm, I'm not going to lie. That was, that was a funny scene. Just uh, a, bit, a bit of light relief at the end. It's like, all right, kill us, caught. We can relax and have some fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, I think that's what, what makes it work. Really, yeah. Uh, is, is, is there? Is there they're born in the suspense stuff, um, and there you go. That that's that's your movie. Um, anything else you want to discuss? No, I think we. I think I think we've covered why we. I, I, at least I like the second half a lot more. Yeah, I, I so, say though, the first half still like. like I, I think the first half's good, and I was enjoying it. But it was when it got to the second half and things started to come together. I was like, okay, I really like this now. The chase in the art gallery is particularly good. Um, mm. the, the way it's filmed, which comes out in the steps and the guys like holding their glove out the window. Um, yeah. All that stuff. Also, speaking of comedy, the, the cab driver, because like, the, the, they're basically going at it in the back of the cab and they get, the guy's just like, hmm? And he's just sort of looking behind them. Um, just, I don't yeah. know. It's, it's amusing stuff. But uh, but again, she, she leaves her, like, her, her panties are left in the cab and it's almost like she left a lifeline. And not that I'm saying panties are lifelines, but just in terms of representing something, yeah. like she, she left a life behind there uh, and there was no coming back. Uh, and even if she wasn't killed, there was no coming back in the sense that she's now changed because now she's had a taste of this life. And yeah, she's gone and done this instead of gone home and spoken to her husband like she should have done. Which is worth mentioning, she does call her husband uh, when she's still at the guy's house. You know, assuming to make up an excuse and say, oh, I've been out doing this, I'll be home yeah, yeah. whenever. But she can't speak. She's kind of she's too kind of guilty and ashamed, perhaps, and she, she hangs up the phone without saying anything. And maybe she yeah. realised she has crossed the line. And maybe that's the point of finding the, the medical bill. It's like, oh crap, I've, I've crossed the line. and now She I said can't... something permanent she can't come back from. Yeah, she can't take it back because she's at the very least she's going to have to a not have sex with her husband because she can't pass this on to him, and B like you know go to the doctor for this and like you know and she may have to explain why she has this if she you know if she can't keep this quiet long enough and yeah, so on. Yeah, it, so. it, it's the idea that this just doing what she wanted here has permanent repercussions and you know and she has to live with that now. It's oh well, I mean she doesn't, but yeah, the the, the movie doesn't tell you that at this point. And again, comparing her to uh, Nancy Allen's character, Nancy Allen starts off as a loner. But by the end of the movie, she has a, a family member. She has a friend. Yeah. But she didn't at first. So uh, I think there's a lot of interesting things going on there with um, uh, with how you treat treat sex and how the, how that splinters around you and how that maybe affects your lifestyle and who who you can be around. Yeah, it definitely thing. seems to be a, a recurring theme for De Palma, doesn't it? I can see. He's, he's, he likes his sleaze. He's a very sleazy director. He is. And, and, and this is the thing. I think you can look at it and just say, oh, it's just sleazy. But I think... A lot of it, there is, you know, it, it, some of it maybe is just too much just for the sake of it. Don't be wrong. But a lot of the, the core ideas, I think, are well worth exploring in the the aspect that he does. Yeah, he's exploring things. He's exploring... Um... There's, there's a point to what he's saying. It's not just here for the sake of it. There is a there is a purpose. There is a message. Yeah, yeah. Um, but hey, uh, that, is, that, that is Dressed to Kill. Um, 
I guess we'll rate it uh, out of ten. So, uh, what would you rate Dress to Kill? I'll give it a give it a solid eight. I think you know, like it could it could be a seven point five, but then those those certain sequences just elevate it enough. Yeah, I'm going to agree with the solid eight. Um, I I give. I gave Body Double a higher score. Body Double was an 8.5 or a 9, and I stand yeah. by that. I think Body Double is the better film. I agree. Um, but Dress to Kill is pretty solid. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, like we say, good characters, good suspense. Um, maybe, you know, maybe the start's a little bit slow. You can maybe criticise it for that. Yeah. I think, though, once it gets past the first, you know, 15 minutes, maybe I think it's really well paced and builds nicely. Yeah. And... Yeah, admittedly, the fact that it turns out to be a dream kind of alleviates it a bit, but I, I do, like, when I watch it and I've forgotten, there's a, this dream sequence at the end, which is, you know, the, both the, the hospital escape and the sort of the, the kill in the shower where he yeah. comes for Nancy Allen. I feel like that, uh, it it's almost like, feels well, like, well, we're why done. Why does it exist? Yeah, you're like, you know, we were done and this feels like tacked on kind of thing. I, I mean, the the only way I can maybe think about defending it is, you know, we were talking about how you know, we were talking about the venereal disease stuff, and it's like, oh, there's these permanent repercussions regardless of your choice. Mm-hmm. And and for her right here at the end, it's like, yeah, she she's made her choices, she's come out the other side, but she still has to live with the, the memories of what she's gone through. Okay, okay. So it's still going to be haunting her, you know, even though, even though she's moved on, she's past this, it's still going to be there in, I, in her head. I, I guess the critique is we ended this sort of like more downbeat moment because she wakes up from a nightmare and Peter's there to comfort her, but it's still, it's still kind of a dark kind of. It is. It's not. It's, it it's, it's a sadder ending than maybe, maybe you were. Yeah, in. I feel like you know because the, uh, the, before all this, you know, this dream sequence starts is the moment where he's going, "Oh, she, do you want to come live with me?" Hmm. I think that's probably a better ending. It yeah probably isn't. Maybe if you wanted, you could have had like Michael Caine in the the insane asylum and like just kind of sitting yeah, there. Yeah, just like an epilogue style. sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but here, uh, so yeah, you got that. That is addressed to kill. So you know, so, some flaws, some things that maybe don't work especially well. Uh, maybe could be a bit tighter, but uh, really solid for all the reasons we said. So uh, good stuff. Uh, so that is this episode of Influx. We will be back next week with another murder. It is. Movie. That was not intentional, though. It was not intentional. Uh, but we, I won't spoil what it is but before we go I should announce a couple of things before I do the plugs uh, first of all the vote for Patreon for next month is up uh, and that is you know obviously you'll have all November to vote and then the movie will be done in December and of course this is the $5 patrons and up the options so the theme for this this, this coming vote is uh, space space movies and now you're thinking wait it's December shouldn't it be Christmas movies we considered that at first, and then we tried to think of four Christmas options that we were happy with, and we really couldn't get to any. Um, partly because Connor's weird and doesn't like a lot of Christmas movies. I just don't... Just to, I'm not big on Christmas in general. Yeah, he, it just doesn't do it much for me. He, he was vetoing a lot of options. So instead, we said, Star Wars is coming out, we'll do some space movies, and we both like that kind of thing, so that, that works better. Uh, so the options for this vote are Forbidden Planet, Galaxy Quest, The Last Starfighter, and Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> I like how you couldn't get through that last time with a straight face. I had to find a joke option. Do you know, honestly, my, my idea briefly was that maybe because I had The Last Starfighter, the joke would be that I just picked four movies with the word star in it somewhere. But it would be like, not not all space, like I'd pick like A Star is Born would be one of them and then... 
like I don't know, Jesus Christ Superstar would be another one. <laughs> like no. just anything with star in the title. Maybe things with space in the title. Uh, we would do that next Star Wars. Now, it's funny, actually, I was thinking as I was doing this, I'm like, wait, why aren't we doing any Star Wars movies before this one? And I'm like, you know what, I'm not ready to do them yet. We're go- Obviously, we're going to work our way through the other Star Wars movies at some point. It's inevitable that we're going to do it. That, and you're just gonna, we're just going to argue, so there's no point. On the prequels not, not especially. Yeah. On the prequels yeah. especially, I, I am coming... Yeah, and 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 there, I'm not. I'm not saying the prequels are good movies. I've, I've, I'm on record saying that multiple times. But there are aspects, aspects I will defend, whereas people obviously not recognise a single aspect as worth defending. Some good actors in it. I'll give you that. But uh, the the basically me coming to argue about the prequels is me coming with the equivalent of a nuclear arsenal to to combat you with. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to lie, you have all the ammunition. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, yeah, you know you're in the losing battle over this I, one. I do. I'm not disputing <laughs> that. I just, I, I don't know if I have the energy for that right now. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, need to build up to that. Also, I'll take every fibre of my being if we're going to do the prequels at some some point, maybe next year, watch through them. to watch them, like, but I'll have that temptation instead of actually watching it. Do I just watch the uh, the Plinket reviews of them instead? Because that'll be more entertaining. More entertaining, but you need to form your own opinions. <laughs> uh, I think there'll be a lot of overlap, regardless. Let's be honest here. Yeah, probably, but we'll see how much. You never know. You might notice something. I may, I may, I may, I may have, I may have. Uh... Look. I'm not saying they're good. Film. I have legitimate criticisms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm just yeah, you know, but we're not doing we'll, that this year. We'll, we'll get there. I'm not. I'm not ready I, to do that yet. I feel like we can't do those all in one month as well. They need to be spaced out a bit, just so you, because otherwise you might kill yourself. You have to do all three prequels <laughs> in one in like the space of two weeks. Yeah, I, I might. Yeah, I, I might be in a rough uh, a rough spot if I have to do a lot of Star Wars movies back to back. Um, but we'll see. We'll see about maybe doing some next year when the Han Solo movie's coming out, or maybe when Episode Nine's coming out the year after that. I don't know. But we'll we'll, we'll, we'll that will just sprinkle them in when we feel like it. Yeah, that's that's also a possibility. So that's the vote. That was the first thing I had to announce was the vote for next month. Uh, so five dollar t- uh, patrons and up can vote on that, and they've got all of November to do it, and we'll do the winner uh, next month. Um, also, the winner of last month, which was a Hitchcock vote, uh, was Rear Window. Um, so you can look forward to that sometime this month uh, cool. so that's cool so the other thing I've got to announce though uh, is that we actually started something similar for Streams After Midnight but now there's going to be one for 121 in Flux and this is also for $5 patrons and up it's called The Vault and what this is is you can submit patrons that is can submit uh, movies for us to watch uh, and it'll go into a, a suggestion list and from time to time we will pick one from that list to do when you know when maybe you know like I say we alternate between my pick and Connor's pick maybe we'll have three in the rotation, it'll be my pick, Connor's pick, and that, then one and from to the be list. honest, we we made a big list at the start of the year, you know, when we just before we started this podcast. We're not that far off getting towards the end of that list as it is anyway. Yeah, we're about two thirds through that list, so this would help our schedule a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a way for you guys to have the option of just suggesting movies that you think we'd actually like, and uh, or maybe not like, as the case may be, if if that's how you want to play it. But 
So they might go on in, a vote. In my experience, that's yeah. what they usually do. They might go on a future vote for Patreon, or they may just be picked to be done occasionally. Uh, there's, there's no limit to how many you can do, or how many you submit, or how often you can submit. If you want to submit 20 movies one day and then 20 the next, you can do that. Uh, they'll go on the list, and the list is viewable for patrons as well. There's there's a link to go and look at it and see it. There's nothing there yet, because we've, we've just started it, but uh, if you if some people want to submit... I know the Screams After Midnight list, uh, The Crypt, we're calling that, is already at like 28 movies. Yeah. So um, and also we won't necessarily be doing them in order just because we go oh, oh yeah, sure. we're doing one yeah. off this list it doesn't mean we'll do number one on the list no because yeah. they're in alphabetical order so yeah obviously we're not going to just do that otherwise we just always be doing movies just again it clear, when you have a when you have a numbered list sometimes oh, sure. there's an assumption that you'll just work through it oh sure yeah uh, yeah they'll be randomly picked it'll be whatever one speaks to us at any given point or speaks to me and then Connor can just take it <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's just usually how these things go. Well, to be fair, it's their submitted list, so anything I pick is valid from that list. It is. I can veto your picks. Yeah, their picks not so much. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so that was the two things to announce: was the the vote for the next month on Patreon, and also the new Patreon feature for five dollar tier and up is the vault, which you can submit movies. Now, obviously. That is basically anything. Obviously, we have the right to uh, refuse something if it's something that... And I, I'm thinking very extreme things here, like a Serbian film, like where I just don't want to watch that ever. But, like, 99.999% of movies like are eligible. Except, of course, horror films. Because if you want a horror film suggestion, you go and put that on the crypt on Screams After Midnight. We have a whole show dedicated to horror movies. That's it. That's, that's the one thing that you're not allowed to submit. Horror yeah. movies. But so. every, everything else is fair game on in flux. Basically, uh, put the Star Wars prequels on so Pete has to watch them. Put the Lord of the Rings movies on so Pete has to sit through those I, again. I, I, Specify I, extended editions. I, I, I just said, I just said we'd probably do the prequels at some point. That's a waste of a suggestion. It's a waste. Alright, but the Lord of the Rings. Extended. We are never doing those movies. <laughs> I am never sitting through four hours of one of those again. Ever. <laughs> Only one of them's four hours. Three hours, 52 minutes is still four goddamn hours. Yeah. It's great. Love those movies. <sighs> uh, so, anything else on the pluggers? Uh, recommend or suggest uh, I don't know I can't remember <laughs> anything else happened recently uh, now, come join the Facebook group Mar- no, just search Mild Fuzz and tell Peter his shit yeah, guys on Twitter at mailed underscore fuzz uh, for channel updates if you want to support the channel head over to patreon.com as I've been talking about uh, slash TV, and you can get all that stuff there's links of course to that and stuff in the description and in the corner of the video uh, as per usual uh, but otherwise that is us so like subscribe all that as well yeah, I forgot to say that I usually say that so, yeah. uh, but that's us so thank you once again keep watching movies guys we'll see you next time <laughs> <laughs>